0: Our cause for meeting in this uh, uh, brief uh, you know, lecture that I'm going to be giving is actually a cause that is distressing to all of us. It is something that is hitting home for all of us. And that is uh, seeing the images uh, of the suffering of our own people in Pakistan and seeing the reality of what has happened with these floods. And of course, our goal today is inshallah to help alleviate and to be able to do what we can in order to bring about some comfort and mercy. Uh, You know, I'm going to give a talk that is a little bit atypical so that inshallah we will rethink through uh, how we are doing these fundraisers. I'm going to ask a very difficult question. And it is a question, to be honest, that many people think about when these tragedies happen. It is a very deeply philosophical and theological question. It deals with philosophy and with our aqeedah and iman and, and theology. And it is a question that does not have an easy answer. And I'm telling you from now that I'm not going to give you a solid answer in you know 10-15 minutes that I'll be speaking to you. The question is as follows. How can we as believers in a merciful God and an all-powerful God, how can we understand this type of, of, of tragedy in light of our God, Allah Azza wa Jal, being Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim and al Wadood and Al-Kareem? How does one reconcile between an all-powerful and an all-merciful God? And this is a question that has plagued the minds of the most ancient philosophers. Actually, if you look at some of the writings of, you know, even Aristotle and Plato and whatnot, you find them trying to come to grips with this actual question. In fact, the question is so deep that there is an entire branch of philosophy that deals with just this one question. And that is the question, the the, the topic is called theodicy. Uh, You can look up books on theodicy. You can do a PhD in theodicy. Theodicy is how does one explain the existence of evil when God is supposed to be all-powerful and all-merciful. And I began this because honestly, I find that this question is actually extremely pertinent to bring up when tragedies like this one occur. Because a lot of us are actually too scared to even verbalize and ask it. A lot of us are actually not even, you know, wanting to ask out of fear of, you know, some cleric or some sheikh or Adam saying, astaghfirullah, how dare you ask this question? And maybe for our generation, we would have said, okay, we shouldn't ask. But our children ask. The next generation, you know, the college kids, they ask. And if we don't have a solid answer, unfortunately, some of them might even think of, you know, not being a faithful religious person. In fact, you know, the rise of agnosticism and atheism has many factors. One of them, one of the primary causes is actually this actual question here. And that is that how does one explain, you know, evil? And how does one explain pain and suffering? And why should there be pain and suffering? Now, again, as I said, this is not the you know a, a theological talk or an aqidah talk or a philosophical philosophical talk, but I do want to bring it up before we get to you know the, the the point of why we're here because it is extremely pertinent and because inshallah ta'ala it actually deals with why we are here today. So very brief points here. first and foremost, this question of trying to understand pain and evil in light of Allah azza wa Jal being ala kulishin qadir capable of all things and ar-rahman and ar-rahim and whatnot actually this question predates the existence of mankind themselves the question was asked before mankind suffered any evil and pain and the question was asked by none other than the angels themselves when allah announced this is surah baqarah when allah announced that i'm going to create this new creation the first thing that the angels asked is that, Ya Rab fiha man yufsidu fiha wa Why would you place on earth this new creation that's gonna be causing pain and suffering, killing one another? They're gonna cause fasad, evil, chaos. So the angels who lived in a pain free world, stress free world, trouble free world, the angels lived in the angelic world. And they said, Ya Rabbi, why would you create this new creation when we are here pure? We are pure. We are praising you. We're not doing anything. Why would you create this new creation that's going to have so much evil and civil war and droughts and pain and suffering? Why would you do that? And subhanAllah, what is the response? All of you who know Surah Baqarah, you know how Allah responded. Allah responded with a very, very interesting way of responding. He did not attempt to rationalize the existence of evil. He did not attempt to give what we would call a a philosophical response, deconstructing the question and then giving, you know, syllogisms and 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 solid answers. On the contrary, He gave an answer that is what we would call faith-based. and that is. He said, Allah said, I know what you do not know. You're gonna have to trust me. In other words, the answer to this question was so deep that Allah said to the angels who are better than us and more knowledgeable than us, Allah said to them, you won't understand. You're gonna have to trust me. Literally, this was the response. "Inni the I know what you do not know. So, when A person comes and says, hey, you Muslim people, you Christians, you Jews, how do you believe in a God that causes all of this pain and suffering? We actually begin the response by saying, you know, we're going to firstly have to humble ourselves to the reality that maybe, just maybe, I won't have full understanding. Just maybe I won't be able to rationalize the wisdom of our creator. But, and here's the key point. Just because I don't understand the wisdom of a particular action, that should not cause me to doubt the existence of the creator himself. And this is another deep point here. The issue of trying to understand all of this pain and suffering, the issue of trying to understand why is there so many uh, innocent lives, lost children are starving, whatnot. That is a separate question than the existence of God. Because that question deals with the wisdom of God's action. And the wisdom of God's action is a separate question from his existence. His existence is self-evident. Our existence is a proof of his existence. The fact that the world exists, the fact that we have the ability to rationally think, the fact that we're searching for meaning, we have consciousness, indicates that there is a being who endowed us with consciousness. So the fact that Allah exists is a certainty the fact that we don't understand some of his wisdoms of actions is another certainty. The two should not come together. But unfortunately, this is what happens. But the fact that we cannot give a full answer doesn't mean we don't have a partial answer. And there is a partial answer. And that partial answer is actually why I asked the question in this talk, because it is linked to this talk. And that partial answer goes as follows. Multiple things can be said. First and foremost, of the, re- of the reasons and the wisdoms, why? there is an element of pain and an element of suffering. Not that Allah wants that pain and suffering, but Allah wants to see the response that we have to try to eliminate that pain and suffering. In other words, of the wisdoms, and again, we have to begin by saying we might not fully understand all the wisdoms, but there are definitely some wisdoms. Of the wisdoms, why? There is tragedy. Is not because Allah loves tragedy, on the contrary, Allah says in the Quran, la yuhibbul fasad. Allah does not love Fasad. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that Allah in shakartum wa amantum. What will Allah gain by punishment if you are faithful and you are thankful? What will Allah gain? Our Lord is not a sadistic lord, our Lord is a merciful Lord, our Lord is a generous Lord. But sometimes there must be a little bit of pain, a little bit of suffering in the grand scale of things in order to bring about a large amount of good, in order to extract from people an amount of barakah and good and khayr that Allah blesses them with. And Allah doesn't want the evil, but Allah loves the response to the evil that is good. And this is one of the wisdoms. And this is actually a very Quranic wisdom that of the purposes of having this pain and suffering is to test those amongst us who will want to try to eliminate that pain and suffering. Here's the point here. Righteous people, good people will stand up and take charge and bring benefit. And when they do so, they will show compassion and they will show charity and they will sacrifice of what they love for people that are not necessarily their kith and kin, their relatives, for the sake of humanity, for the sake of people of you know the same background, the same faith, the same whatnot. They're not their necessarily blood relatives, but they're trying to do good. And Allah loves that good. Here's a simple way to think about this. How can you be generous to the poor when there are no poor to be generous to? How can you sponsor the orphan when there are no orphans to sponsor? How can you clothe, you know, the, the those that don't have any clothes or, or or give shelter to those that don't have any shelter when everybody has shelter? So in creating a little bit of pain and suffering, and in the grand scale of things, it's a little bit. I'm obviously I'm not trying to trivialize the pain for the people there. I'm talking more globally. In creating certain smaller issues, the, the goal is not. Those issues, the goal is not the pain. The goal is to elicit the positive and the good in us. And the goal is to test us that are we actually rising up? Now the question, some of you might say, well, okay, I understand from our perspective, those that are able to give, I understand there's a wisdom. How about those that are suffering? How about the people that have lost a loved one? What what do we say to them? And here we bring in another aspect of theology, which I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but I'm just trying to explain to you an answer to this question. And that is the aspect of the firm belief, the fundamental belief that we have that this world is not the end all and be all. There is a world after this world. There is a world after this world. And we firmly believe that every single pain and every single anxiety and every single grief and every single tragedy that we suffer in this world, if we have firm faith and we turn to our Lord for help, that that tragedy and pain and suffering shall be rewarded much more than the actual pain that we had. So the reward will be infinitely extra proportional than what we ourselves suffered and that's why belief in a judgment day and belief in a hereafter and belief in life after death is necessary to answer this question those people who don't believe in a hereafter you will never be able to even partially explain to them the pain and suffering but those who believe in a hereafter which is of course all of the abrahamic religions well then we say that's the purpose of heaven that's the purpose of uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessing those that were patient. As Allah says in the Qur'an, ajrahum bi hisab." Allah Azza wa Jal is going to give those who were patient their reward without counting their reward. There's not going to be any counting, just continuously giving and giving. And we learn in the hadith as well that our Prophet said that when those who suffered calamities in this world, when they come on the Day of Judgment and they see the rewards that they get because of their patience, they will actually ask Allah that, oh Allah, send us back to this dunya and give us even more trials so that we have more sabr, so that we can get even more reward. So the only consolation we can give to those that have lost a loved one, those that are actually in suffering and pain, the only thing we can say, your ajr is with Allah. We cannot, our partial payments, our little bit of money, our little bit of food, it can never fully comfort them. So between them and Allah, that's their reward. And they're being tested in ways different than us. But you see, we also believe another point, and that is all of us are being tested in different ways. So the ones who are deprived of wealth, the ones whose houses have been destroyed, they're being tested in a very, very difficult manner. But those of us who are living here in comfortable lives, extra surplus wealth, our pantries are overflowing with food, our bank accounts have more money than we need. We are being tested a different test. It is... Definitely, in many ways, an easier test. And you know, we, we thank Allah for that easier test. But in some ways, and please don't misunderstand me, in some ways, it is a more difficult test because our test, a lot of times we don't even realize we're being tested. Our test is a different test, the test of surplus wealth, the test of being able to give, the test of being, you know, uh, in a position to actually help people out and then not helping them out. When you are suffering a pain or tragedy, then the test is forced on you, and you must answer to the test. If you lose a loved one, well then, you're going to have to rise up and, and, and face that challenge. But when we live comfortable lives, a lot of times we don't even realize that is a test. And Allah says in the Quran, wal khairi fitna, وَالْخَيْرِ <فِتنة> We're going to test you with good and with evil. The Both of them are tests and trials for you. Both are fitness for you. وَنَبْلُوكُمْ بِالشَّرِّ وَالْخَيْرِ خَيْر meaning money and wealth and health. That too is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So getting back to our question here, how do we understand the wisdom of pain and suffering? We said one of the wisdoms, one of them. There's many, we mentioned some of them. One of them is to see the response of other people in battling that pain, in trying to eliminate that suffering. And Allah mentions this in the Quran that those who believe in Allah, those who believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, understand that Allah wants to use them to do good. And those who reject faith and those who reject God will try to explain evil and justify it in their own stinginess. This is Surah Yasin. Let me quote you an interesting verse. Allah says in Surah Yasin, that when those who believe say, That and why don't we give food and give charity to those that need those who reject Allah? Say, Why should we give food when Allah Himself can give food directly to the poor? Right, notice Allah says, The righteous people, when they come together, they say, Let us give food, let us give charity, let us help the the, the poor people. Right, notice the righteous people believe, believe in Allah. They don't use Allah as an excuse to not be generous. On the contrary, they use their religion as an excuse to be generous. Their religion motivates them to be generous. Those that have no faith begin their sarcasm. And they say, why should we give? Isn't your Lord generous? Isn't your Lord the one who provides? Isn't your Lord the one who gives It is Allah is razaq. Why should we give? قَالُوا يَشَاءُ اللَّهُ إِنْ You guys are being ridiculous. What type of faith is this? Go to your God and tell your God to feed the poor. But see, that's an excuse that arrogant rejectors of faith have. Those who have faith, they understand that, yes, Allah shall feed the poor, but He shall use people to feed the poor. He shall use instruments to feed the poor. And here's the point, my dear brothers and sisters, we want to be instruments of Allah. We want to be the tools that Allah uses to feed the poor. And that's why of the prophetic du'as, this is a du'a of our Prophet Muhammad that, oh Allah, make me of the keys that open the doors of good. And don't make me of the keys that open the doors of evil. Notice, there's gonna be doors of good opening, but there's gonna be people that need to open those doors. We want to be the people who open those doors. We want to be instruments of Allah Azza wa good. We want to be vessels that Allah uses to bring about good to the people. And this is where we come to be, the, the, the point of why we are here today. And that is, indeed, it's a very deep and troubling and philosophical and theological conundrum that how can we explain that pain and suffering? And it's difficult. Wallahi, it's difficult. But we are people of faith. And we flip the question around. And instead of saying, why is there pain? We ask, We ask our Lord, O Allah, how can I be used by you to eliminate that pain. How can I rise up to the challenge and help these people? Oh Allah, I want to be an instrument of your mercy. I want to be a vessel that you shall use to bring khair and to bring happiness and to bring joy to other people. So oh Allah, make me of those people. See, we flip the script and we understand that, you know, I cannot change the entire world, but I can help some people. And if Allah uses me to help those people, well then I have done an amazing and a noble thing by the blessings of Allah. So the righteous person wants to benefit others, realizing this is one of the primary purposes of his existence. And this is why of the earliest revelations that Allah revealed, and this is, by the way, Muslims, I'm being very blunt here, very, very, very powerful point here. Before Allah revealed the obligation to pray, before Allah revealed the obligation to fast, before Allah revealed the obligation for hajj, of the first commandments that he revealed in the Qur'an is the commandment to feed the hungry. This is a commandment that is predating the commandments to pray and to fast and to do Ramadan and to give go for Hajj and whatnot. So for example, one of the first revelations you all have memorized is as a child, you all know the surah. What does it mean? The one who rejects the religion, he rejects the day of judgment, the one who doesn't believe in God, that is the person Allah says he does not encourage the feeding of the poor and hungry in other words if you believe in god and you believe in religion you shall encourage the feeding of the hungry and poor and in one of the first revelations allah describes the believers as being of those who they give of their hunger they give of their food even though they need their food that they give of their food, yatim and miskeen and fakir, And they say, innama nut'imukum Allah." We are feeding you for the sake of Allah. We don't want your thanks. We don't want your jazakallah. We don't want your, your, your shukriya. No, we are doing this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La shukura. They are giving of their food to the yateem and the miskeen and the fakir, all of those who need it. Now, an interesting point here, by the way, when this verse came down, this is like the fifth or sixth revelation of the Quran, right? This is first year of the revelation. There were no Muslim yatim and Muslim faqir and Muslim you know, uh, uh, prisoners of war. There were all pagans, idol worshippers. But our religion does not tell us to give an inquisition to those whom we feed food to our religion does not tell us to do a test hey what is your what is your faith what is your God, What? Do, how many times do you pray, no, that's between the person and his Lord, for us our religion teaches us we feed people regardless of their ethnicity, their background, their, their creed we feed people, literally it's in the Quran, we are feeding you because we want Allah to be happy with us that's our religion and that's a very very important point brothers and sisters, Allah says in the quran they're feeding in order to get allah's pleasure they don't want thanks from the people so we have to be very clear as muslims when we feed the hungry when we give food to those that need food we are not doing this so that people say oh mashallah these are good muslims we're not doing this as a pr moment for our religion we're not doing this to to showcase that this is uh, the, the the reality of how islam is no a good muslim automatically is somebody who feeds the poor that is what islam tells us to do we don't feed the poor so that people say islam is a good religion no islam is the religion that tells us to feed the poor and now we have a crisis in our hands of people who don't have food don't have shelter it so happens that the majority of them are of our faith and of our background and of our ethnicity so the obligation becomes double triple but i'm being very blunt here if they were people of a different faith, a different caste, a different religion, a different creed, a different skin color, it would not change the obligation upon us to feed the hungry. That's what our religion is about. Before Allah said, pray five times a day, Allah revealed multiple verses that of the signs of the believer is they feed the hungry. They give those that are in need. That's what it means to be a Muslim. So bottom line, and again, inshallah, I know my time is almost up. A few... (sighs) A few Quran and Hadith to understand this reality, right? A beautiful Hadith that really, I, I really, it shows us the reality of what it means to, to, to be able to give back to others, right? I'll quote you um, uh, two, two basic Hadith, ta'ala, and then hand it over to our uh, uh, guests and the MCs. We firmly believe that when we give, what we get back is more than what we have given, and this is a gift and a blessing from Allah. Actually, let me remind you of a very amazing gift that Allah has given all of mankind. Muslim or non-Muslim, you know, Christian, Jew, agnostic, atheist, doesn't matter. Everybody has this gift internally. It is a divine gift. And to me, it is a sign that our Lord is ever generous to us. Allah gifted us, listen to me carefully, with the feeling of happiness when we make others happy. Even if we have no faith, I mean, even an atheist, when a beggar comes and the atheist gives money to the beggar, the atheist feels in his heart, I've done a good deed. And the happiness that the atheist feels is more precious to him than the money he's given the poor person. Question, where did that happiness come from? Why is that feeling of of, of nobility, where does it come from? Response. Our Lord, who is so generous, created us loving generosity. And that is why even bad people, when they do good, feel good. Even people who are nasty to other people and mean, when they do a good deed, inside of themselves they feel this buzzing sense, this this joy. How about the righteous people when they do good? right? They should feel much more good. And this is a gift from Allah. Allah gifted us this feeling of feeling good when we do good, because it's motivating to mankind. And Allah made us, that's what Allah says in the Quran, <laughs> We created man in the best of all shapes and fashions and forms. The best of all manners. That's how we created mankind. So we don't believe that man is inherently evil. We believe that man aspires to be good and man is inherently good. Unfortunately, our desires, Satan, comes and seduces us. But the default of man, they want to be good. And we see this in the simple reality. When we're good to others, we feel good amongst ourselves. So we firmly believe when we give, actually, we get back more than what we we give. We get back more psychologically, spiritually, the rewards from Allah, and monetarily, three different things. We get back psychologically. What do I mean by this? The money you give, right? It will not cause you the amount of happiness that the happiness of giving brings to you. You gave a $1, thousand, a hundred, you gave ten thousand, right? You gave it to a good cause. And in your heart, you feel a spiritual joy. That joy is worth more than the money you've given. This is a gift from Allah then spiritually, barakah-wise, Allah shall reward you in the hereafter. And of course, that is more precious than the money you've given. And then the third point, even materially, and this is an amazing, amazing gift, that what we give for the sake of Allah, Allah has promised that He shall give us back more in this world, in this world. And that is why Allah calls charity in the Quran, qardan hasana, A loan that shall be repaid back. Allah calls charity a loan that shall be repaid back. Because it is going to be a loan, Allah will pay it back. So I'm going to conclude with two basic hadith inshallah that is really going to conceptualize where we're coming from. The first hadith, talking about getting back and and, and whatnot. Hadith is in Sahih Bukhari that Allah says, uh, sorry, the Prophet said, there used to be a man with a a large garden, you know, cultivation crops. And there was another person that was his you know neighbor in the neighboring farm. That neighbor would be praying to Allah for rain to come. And it was a drought. And he made dua, made dua, made dua, until finally he sees a cloud coming. So he jumps for joy. Alhamdulillah, the cloud is coming. And the cloud goes over his land. And the man is happy that it's gonna rain. But then he hears a voice from the heavens say, no, not here, the next land. And the cloud goes beyond him. So the neighbor is wondering, And the neighbor understands that this is an angel and there's a reason why my land has been jumped over. I need to find that out. So the neighbor follows the cloud and it goes to his, you know, the other person's land. And now the voice says, here, and now the rain falls and the neighbor gets all of this. So now the one who was waiting for it, the first one, he goes to the second one, he goes, listen, you know, dear neighbor, I want to explain to you what I saw. And he tells him what he saw. Then he goes, I want to know your secret. Why? Did the cloud bypass my land and go to your land? There must be a divine wisdom. And the man said, well, the only thing I can think of is the harvesting that I get, I divide it into thirds. One third. One third I reinvest in the crops and the maintenance and the, and the fees and whatnot. One third I use for my family. And one third I give for the sake of Allah to the poor and the hungry and the needy. I give one third to people who need. And that's probably why what you saw, saw. So the man understood Allah sending him a message that when you give for the sake of Allah, Allah will give you back more than what you have given. And the next hadith, one of my favorite hadith, and inshallah with this we conclude, it's a beautiful hadith that really shows us the psychology of what it means to be generous in our faith tradition. It's a simple hadith in Tirmidhi. There were two brothers in the time of the Prophet One of them was wealthy, a merchant, he had land, he had so many things. And the other brother was younger than him and uh, poorer than him. And he came to town to study with the Prophet ﷺ, memorize the Qur'an, you know, be in the company of the Prophet ﷺ and worship and study and whatnot. So the younger brother would live in the house of the older one and in the daytime he would go and sit with the Prophet ﷺ and, you know, absorb knowledge and he's studying to become a scholar. He's studying to become a, you know, a person of knowledge and whatnot. One day the older brother complained about the younger one and the older brother said, you know, you're basically, you're freeloading off of me. You are eating from my food, sleeping under my roof, not doing any work, and you just go, you know, to the process, and you're not doing anything for me. Why should I do this for you? Why should you freeload off of me? I'm gonna complain to the process about you. I'll pause you before I move on. SubhanAllah, notice the mentality my house, and my money, and my. And Allah tells us in the Quran, it's not your money, it is the money that Allah has given you. Give charity. Listen to this, this is from the Qur'an, brothers and sisters. From the money of Allah that Allah has given you, it's not your money, it's not my money. Allah has given it to us to see what we do with it. So the older brother gets angry, says, I'm going to complain to the Prophet that you're just basically freeloading. He goes to the Prophet and he says, Ya Rasulullah, my younger brother you know, does this and that and he does nothing in return. He's taking my money, my food, my this and that. And the Prophet ﷺ said four words. And these four words, I want you to memorize them because it reverses the script, completely changes the narrative. What was those four words? The Prophet ﷺ said to him, perhaps, ajli is the Arabic, ajli. Perhaps all that you have, Allah gave you because of your brother. In other words, you are wealthy and rich and established Not because Allah wanted to gift you. You don't deserve any of it. No, rather Allah wanted to feed your brother. Allah wanted to take care of your brother. And Allah used you as the conduit, as the vessel to take care of your brother. And since Allah is so generous, you get to keep 99% of your wealth simply because you're giving that 1% to your brother. So rather than complain that you're giving to the poor and your brother's eating your money, rather than complain that you are being generous, you need to understand, O oh wealthy businessman, that you are wealthy because Allah wants to use you to feed the other people. Rather than think that you are doing him a service, you need to flip the script and you need to thank Allah Azza wa Jalla that he's given you because in reality, those poor people, you owe them your wealth. You owe them your status. You owe them every blessing that you have. And if you don't realize this, then you have lost the plot. Brothers and sisters, I understand we have to do fundraiser after fundraiser. And I understand it gets tiring and we get fundraiser fatigue as the saying goes. But my sincere request to myself and all of you, and inshallah with this I conclude, my sincere request to all of you even if you don't give to a future fundraiser, even if you, for whatever reason, find yourself not able to give to a... Because we are being bombarded, building our masajid, building our Islamic schools. You know, this issue over there, uh, sponsoring orphans over there, you know, the, the our brothers and sisters in Pakistan in the floodway. So many things. Every time somebody comes, puts it, puts a pamphlet in our hand, does another fundraiser, come to this event. After a while, shaitan comes, we get fundraiser fatigue. So please listen to me. And I, this is advice to myself before it's advice to all of you. Even if you don't give in every single fundraiser, please, for the love of God, don't feel a sense of arrogance and tiredness that, oh, for how long will I give? Even if you don't give, eliminate the arrogance from your heart and thank Allah. I repeat, thank Allah that people are coming to you asking to give and you are not forced to go to others asking to be given to. Thank Allah. That you are being asked to give and you are not in the circumstance that you're waiting for others to give unto you. How can you have a sense of arrogance that people are coming to you wanting your wealth and money? How can you be arrogant even if you don't give? Say, Alhamdulillah, I'm in a position that people are coming to me and I'm not in the position that I have to wait for people to give their food and their sadaqah to me. Thank Allah. Thank Allah that you have the opportunity to have the upper hand and you are not forced to have the lower hand begging for others, waiting for their scraps and whatnot. Seek Allah's refuge that that ever happens. And one of the ways you can make sure that that never happens is by giving to others in this world as much as you can. Our Prophet made dua that may Allah feed the one who feeds others. May Allah clothe the one who clothes others. May Allah give drink to the one who gives drinks to others. So we want to give and give and give. And we want give for the sake of Allah, and want to give because it makes us feel good, and because Allah shall reward us, and yes, also because it shall give us the good of this world and the next world. Dear brothers and sisters, give whatever you can, give whatever you can, and expect Allah to reward and bless you, and know that whatever you give for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it shall be given back to you in so many different ways, spiritually and the, the barakah of Allah Azza wa Jal on the day of judgment, and even physically in this world, it shall all be given back to you. This is in the Quran. Whatever you give for the sake of Allah, Allah shall replace it back for you in this world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to give us even more wealth so that we continue to be generous unto other people. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless all of us to be instruments of good and instruments of rahmah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be conduits of his mercy. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and our loved ones and our families from all evil of this world and the next. May Allah guide us and guide others through us and allow us to show the reality of what this faith and this message is. May Allah allow us to live as Muslims and to die as mu'mins and to be resurrected with the prophets and with the righteous people on the Day of Judgment and what a noble companionship they are. Wajazakumullahu khairan for inviting me to your event online. Wassalamu alaikum wa barakatuh. فيا ذلي ويا خجلي إذا ما قال لي ربي أما استحييته تعصيني ولا تخشى من العتب وتخفي الذنب عن خلقي وتأبى في الهوى قربي فتب مما جنيت عسى تعود إلى رضا الرب تعود إلى رضا الرب